0: Hello, and welcome to episode 4 of the Vampire Historian Podcast. Uh, First off, it's good to be back. Um, I plan planned on getting this episode recorded in early April uh, due to lots of scheduling um, issues. Then about two weeks of various illnesses, um, it got pushed back a little bit, so I apologize for the delay. uh, But here we are, and we'll be back on schedule. Um, First off, a big thank you to all of my Kickstarter supporters, especially... I'm Patrick St. Jean, Melissa Laro, Christine Fletcher, and all of the anonymous donors and everyone else who helped contribute. Uh, We made our goal, and um, this uh, podcast episode is the first to use our new recording equipment. Um, And also, a lot of the new resources, I was able to get about 13 new books uh, to use for research, and um, most of those have arrived. So uh, thanks to everyone who donated. Uh, It's very much appreciated. Um, Now, since this podcast is a little bit late, I have a few special things for you this week. Um, And the main one is a big announcement um, that you are the first to hear. Um, This has not been publicly announced yet. Hopefully it will be in a few days. Um, But this fall, on Halloween, um, I will be hosting a vampire symposium at the college uh, where I work. Uh, The symposium will be called There Are Such Things, the Vampire Studies Symposium 2015. Uh, And the symposium will be a one-day conference featuring five lectures from professors all across Texas. Uh, The keynote speaker will be Dr. Gordon Melton, who was the subject of Episode 2 of this podcast, um, and a recent article that I had published uh, uh, at vamped.org. If you have not seen that, you can go check that out. Um, More information about the conference will be available very soon um, at this website, uh, www.nctc.edu. That's for North Central Texas College, NCTC. Slash vampire symposium. Um, The website is not up as of today, but should be there hopefully on Monday or so. Um, So be sure to check that out. Uh, Registration will start June 1st. Um, Be sure to register early because seating will be limited uh, for this conference. Um, And I look forward to seeing uh, many of you there. So for uh, episode four, I was originally going to focus on Eastern European superstitions that are specific to Good Friday and Easter, since that was about the time I was going to post this. Um, But uh, with the delays, uh, we're going to save that for a later episode. Um, But today I do want to talk about a few other things that are April uh, and May related uh, that I think are quite interesting. There will be lots of podcast episodes to follow about various superstitions from the Carpathian region in Romania. Um, As we kind of see in Dracula when Jonathan Harker says in Chapter 1, quote, I read that every known superstition in the world is gathered into the horseshoe of the Carpathians as if it were the center of some sort of imaginative whirlpool. Um, When you look at vampire lore in the region, it's uh, very easy to see how this statement from Harker rings true. Uh, There are so many superstitions in the area, especially related to religion and uh, uh, supernatural beings. Um, Most of Eastern Europe falls uh, under the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, which in general is a little bit more mystical in its theology than the Roman Catholic Church. and this is a subject that uh, I plan to get into in depth in future episodes. Um, but there are superstitions regarding baptisms, weddings, funerals, feast days, uh, and much, much more. Um, and interestingly enough, most of our sources on these ideas come from uh, those who traveled to the area at some point, um, as opposed to those um, who were actually living there. Um, one of these authors is uh, Emily Gerard, who was uh, a British woman married to um, an Austrian uh, military officer. Uh, She spent two years living in Transylvania in the 1880s. Um, And uh, first she published an article called Transylvanian Superstitions, uh, which we know is one of Stoker's sources. uh, And then also a book called The Land Beyond the Forest. Um, Other helpful sources in addition to Gerard uh, on this kind of topic would be Barber's Vampire's Buried on Death, which we've been mentioned before. uh, Prakowski's Vampire Lore. um, A book called Uh, Vampires of the Carpathians uh, by Bogtierev, and The Vampire Casebook, uh, edited by Alan Dundees, and of course, uh, any of the works of Montague Summers and many other authors. Um, To quote Gerard, though, the Greek church uh, to which the Romanians exclusively belong has an abnormal number of feast days. Um, I've always liked that quote, an abnormal number of feast days. Um, There are many superstitions associated uh, with these major feasts, uh, such as Christmas and Easter, um, but it's the Feast of Saint George that seems to be the most important in regards to local superstitions. Uh, on the Gregorian calendar, the Feast of Saint George, um, who the Great Martyr, some people also call the Dragon Slayer, um, falls on April twenty-third. And at many, uh, by the time of many of these early historians were writing, though the Julian calendar was still in use in most of Eastern Europe, um, in the churches at least. So therefore, the feast falls on May the fifth. Um, But one of the more intriguing beliefs associated with this uh, date in Transylvania has to do with the idea of buried treasures. And in many of the accounts that we have, we learn that the Eve of St. George's Feast is a great time to find hidden treasures. Um, It's also a night of much activity among witches and vampires and other, uh, quote, servants of the devil. Um, One way to find the buried treasures is to look for blue flames, a fact that Stoker used in his novel, uh, we see mentioned by Harker when he arrives in Transylvania. And the finding of these treasures uh, is often quite difficult. So here's an excerpt from uh, Gerard's book on this topic. Um, And I'll give you uh, basically just going to read this little paragraph here from the book now. Uh, Quote "Uh, In the night of St. George's Day, so say the legends, all these treasures begin to burn, or to speak in mystic language, to bloom in the bosom of the earth. And the light they give forth, described as a bluish flame resembling the color of lighted spirits of wine serves to guide favored mortals into their place of concealment. The conditions to the successful raising of such a treasure are manifold and difficult of accomplishment. In the first place, it is by no means easy for a common mortal who has not been born on a Sunday or at midday when the bells are ringing to hit upon a treasure at all. If he does, however, catch sight of flame such as I have described, he must quickly stick a knife through the swaddling rags of his right foot and then throw the knife in the direction of the flame he has seen. If two people are together during this discovery, they must not on any account break silence till the treasure is removed. Neither is it allowed to fill up the hole from which anything has been taken, for that would induce a speedy death. Another important feature to be noted is that the lights seen before midnight on St. George's Day denote treasures kept by benevolent spirits, while those which appear at a later hour are unquestionably of a pernicious nature. Uh, That's the end of the quote from the book. Um, They have very, very... Uh, interesting, very specific uh, kind of superstitions. Um, and we see a lot of these uh, also in Summers' uh, works and others. Um, and it's these kind of detailed superstitions that make Romanian folklore especially interesting. Um, and we'll talk about many more of these uh, in future episodes. So that's just a little bit about St. George's Day. Um, you can read more about the activities of witches in St. George's Day and some other works uh, like Vampires and the Carpathians and um, many others. Um, but now for something else that's a little bit April related, um, and this came to me from Dr. Gordon Melton, um, and it's something I thought was very interesting, especially for those who might be interested in vampire fiction. Uh, April 2015, um, we saw the 200th anniversary of an extraordinary event that can be linked to the creation of the modern vampire. Uh, Mount Tambora, a large volcano in Indonesia, began erupting on April 5th in 1815, um, and we go down as the largest eruption in recent history. Uh, This massive event caused a global change in weather patterns that lasted well into 1816. And this was especially noticeable in places uh, even as far as Geneva, Switzerland, uh, where 1816 was called the year without a summer. Um, During this time, lakes were freezing, temperatures were unusually low, and storms were very common. Uh, And this event will be known to many of our listeners here as possibly the haunted summer, uh, for good reason um, for it was at late geneva in 1816 where five young friends were staying at the villa diodati during those unusual storms uh, and these friends of course were lord byron uh, his personal physician dr john polidori uh, percy and the future um, his future wife mary shelley uh, and mary's cousin claire claremont um, due to the excessive amounts of rain uh, this group famously decided to have a ghost story contest one evening um, It was at this time that Mary Shelley conceived the story for Frankenstein, Um, but for our purposes, it's also the birth of the modern literary and uh, pop culture vampire. Um, While Shelley was the only writer who fully developed the story, um, Lord Byron did begin a fragment of a vampire story this night. Um, and This fragment was later then taken and developed by Byron's Dr. Polidori, Um, and the character in the story was somewhat based on Byron himself. Um, Polidori published his work in 1819 um, under the name The Vampire, and although uh, auth- authorship was very often attributed to Byron himself as opposed to Polidori. Um, but the character of the vampire, Lord Ruthven, is often linked directly to Byron, and represents the beginning of the romantic vampire in English literature. Uh, Polidori's work was followed by the penny dreadful Varney the Vampire, Sheridan um, Fanu's Carmilla, and of course Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, but the original idea of the romantic vampire story can be linked to that fateful night uh, in the summer of 1816 at Lake Geneva, and to the largest volcano eruption ever witnessed a year before in Indonesia. Um, well, that does it for this uh, special episode. Um, get you two different kinds of stories this time. Uh, and don't forget about the uh, conference coming up. Uh, again, the website will be www.nctc.edu slash Vampire Symposium. Um, so be sure to check that out, and uh, check for links on the blog and other places, Facebook and things. Um, information on any of the books or sources uh, mentioned in this episode can be found at thevampirehistorian.com uh, You can also follow me on Twitter or Tumblr at vamphistorian um, or on Facebook and Instagram at thevampirehistorian um, If you have any questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes, you can always send me an email uh, to thevampirehistorian@gmail.com. at gmail.com uh, And thanks for listening and be sure to check back next Friday for another episode.